0: Hey guys, I appreciate all the feedback that is already coming in about yesterday's podcast, specifically the interview with Stokely Hathaway. I really, really loved the interview, but there are a few of you, I've seen your comments on Twitter and on Instagram, you're saying that the audio quality is not what you want, that Stokely uh, sounds too low, that I sound too high. A couple of you have said, I'm going to skip past the interview this week, I'll just go straight to the state of wrestling. I don't want you guys to do that. The interview sounded fine to me. I listened to it in my iPhone speaker. I listened to it in my computer speaker. It sounded absolutely fine. Uh, I equalized the audio, and I didn't like it as much because you could hear more ambient noise, more room noise. But I said to myself, there's no reason to have an argument. There's no reason to sit there and say, well, it sounds good to me, so that's the way it's going to be. You know why? Because the RSS feed is mine. I own this podcast feed. I can do whatever I want. So I figure what I do is I'll just upload the exact same interview again. I'm not going to touch the original podcast, but if you listen to this week's episode and you didn't get through the interview because you didn't like the audio quality because the voices were not equalized, here is an equalized version of the exact same interview. I feel like we're all happy and we're utilizing this podcast feed for what it's for, making people happy. Here is the exact same Stokely-Hathaway interview that came out on the podcast yesterday, except the audio's equalized. Enjoy. For the first time here on Not Sam Wrestling, doing it the proper way in the Not Sam studio, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, the man formerly known in some lives as Stokely-Hathaway. What's the haps, man? What's going on? What's going on with you? I mean, it it feels like uh, you're the man with everything going on right now, not me. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh... You know, it's a lot going on
1: in the NXT world, the NXT Breakout Tournament, which concludes in uh, Toronto. Yeah. So I've had my eyes on everyone.
0: Well, it's amazing what's going on with the NXT Breakout Tournament because I feel like, and we've talked about this before, like every TakeOver special, you're going, and this is going back years, Mm -hmm. you're looking at these generations of NXT classes, and you can't believe the talent, and you feel like, okay, this is a moment. Like NXT is having their moment right now. And all these moments eventually pass because people are going to go up to the main roster and then it'll be the Monday after WrestleMania or just maybe some random Monday and the main roster will come in and grab all this talent and you'll go like, okay, so NXT had their moment. But then you don't realize what's in the chamber. And I think what this tournament is doing for the first time is going to everybody look. Like I understand like we've been going off of what we've been going off of for the last year and a half or so and it's been the best the product's ever been. But ta-da, Look at these eight guys, New and superstars. Yeah, it's incredible. And they're
1: making everyone week by week. Yeah, I think Angel Garza is a perfect example. Uh, all he had to do was just take his pants off. And, <laughs> and Universe, I mean. Loved him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wish I could do that. I mean, I'd probably be booed, but right, you, know, you might be yeah, yeah. or arrested. Probably. You don't First know. Shot. But but with Angel, they all love them. And it's about opportunity. Same thing with Swerve and Cameron Grimes. It's the opportunity
0: is there and it's up to you to just take advantage of it. And do you look do you so you're in such a unique position, right? Because for the longest time, WWE, aside from maybe Paul Heyman, was manager free. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time outside of WWE, for like the last four three or four years you've been making a name for yourself primarily as a manager on the independence so before any of this is happening before any of this is happening with nxt do you have like what are your goals in wrestling because it would almost i feel like be unrealistic to sit there and be like one day i want to be a manager in wwe because i'd be like they don't have managers in yeah, WWE. Like, what are you, what are you
1: talking yeah. about, man? I mean, it's funny because all my close personal friends told me that WWE would never be a goal of mine. You know, well, not a goal, but they said it would never be attainable.
0: These are the people that you love the most. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. these are the people you but count true, on. Though,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if it was three or four years ago, it was just impossible. So, when I first started out, it was just to break into wrestling. I'm, I'm the type of person to where I make goals every year. Mm-hmm. It's not a long term goal. It's just, let me see how much I can push this and move forward. So at first it was just to be in wrestling. Just doing whatever.
0: Exactly. Right. Just being a part of
1: this thing. Yes. Because it's hard as is, you know, there's, I'm sure hundreds of thousands of wrestlers, but how many actually have a name or how many can someone, you know, uh, say at a show? Right. And the goal is, I think, to be like a household name, but at the same time, you can still be an indie name. So
0: right. Being, just a name that wrestling fans know is is a huge leap from the average performer, right? Exactly. Right. So the second thing was just to have an indie name, and that came with Evolve.
1: Evolve was was really the, the showcase that brought me up to, I would say, wrestling stardom, so to speak. Uh, gig... Sorry. Gabe gave me this opportunity, and I just took advantage of it. And that was the major thing. And then even when I was in Evolve, there were some moments to where I thought, hey, like, maybe I could make it to WWE. Maybe this was a possibility. Right. And I did Access. And that was 2018. So that was last year. And I went out there, and that was probably the most nervous I've ever been because I didn't – I think I was given – my actual promo, maybe like 10 minutes beforehand. And I remember pacing back and forth in the bathroom and a funny story, I don't know if he will remember, but I'm pacing back and forth, um, and I'm just reciting the promo over and over and over. And I look back, and Mark Henry is in the urinal, <laughs> taking up, like, three of them. Yeah. <laughs> and he just he just looks at me, and I'm just like, uh, and then I just walk up. <laughs> and by that time, it was time for me to perform, and I was just walking back and forth. And I was with Chris Dickinson and Jocka. mm mm-hmm. And normally they're not nervous for me if there's a promo, but they were very nervous. <laughs> and I'll never forget, Jocka looked at me and said, hey man, are you ready for this? <laughs> and I just said, yeah. And then I had to start the promo behind the stage. And so as soon as I said the first word, it just, it clicked. And as far as I know, I went out there, I killed it. And I think that's what helped me get my foot into the door, but then I didn't hear anything afterwards. And so I think it was um, December. And by that time, you know, again, I talked you're about, talking about the goals. By the
0: way, you're talking about April yeah. to December now. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I'd gotten to the point to where I left Evolve. Um, I was doing stand up on the side just for Buzz and it was something that I enjoyed doing. And then I started wrestling. So I figured I needed to do something to help continue that buzz because I think the hardest part about wrestling is everything goes in cycles Mm -hmm. and the hardest thing is just to keep that buzz going so that's why I started doing the stand-up and the
0: wrestling and then all of a sudden is that was like were you doing stuff for Beyond is that that period of time yeah 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 yeah. yeah.
1: and that kind of started in March I think I wrestled Nick Gage and Mm -hmm. I wrestled Chuck Taylor but this was crazy stuff like me wrestling ricky shane page at alpha <laughs> one and like a hardcore match right. like a canadian into a door like all that crazy stuff yeah but i just got a call in december and it was hey are you signed anywhere?" and i was talking to a few companies and i said well n- not now and then it was triple h is looking for managers do you have anything <laughs> you can send him just out of nowhere i was at a bar i was at a bar this was a tuesday In New York, Uh and I get this phone call, and then it's a text. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I I didn't really believe it.
0: Right, Right. even then. yeah. Even then, you're not like... Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. You're so far removed from the idea of I'm going to be a manager in the WWE that you're having hardcore matches with Ricky Shane Page. Like, that couldn't be more (laughs) different. Like, it's almost like you said, you know, I can't just keep being an indie manager because it doesn't lead anywhere. So I got to start doing other stuff. Of course. Little did you know... They're sitting there going like, oh, he was a really good manager. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because New Year's Eve I was doing Beyond and Timothy Thatcher pulled me aside
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he sat me down like a child and said, hey, you have to stop wrestling. You, you really have to stop. Which it was baffling for me.
0: Why did he think you had to stop? Because it was not good for your health? Because it was not good for your brand? Because, I mean...
1: I will take this as a compliment. Yeah. I
0: don't think he meant it
1: as like a uh, backhanded compliment towards anyone else or towards me or or what I was doing. But he said that I was too talented to wrestle. Right. That I was such a good talker and I was destroying the image that I had spent years making.
0: I mean, it goes back to that like Paul Heyman ECWA of thinking where you... Completely hide the negatives mm-hmm. and do everything you can to accentuate the positives. Of course. Now you're in this position where you're so trying to figure out what to do next mm-hmm. that you're doing stuff that you're not that good at and less of the stuff that you are really good at. Of course. But it right.
1: was working because it was such a freak show.
0: Right. To see
1: me wrestle. Right. Against Nick Gage. Right. In a handicap match, <laughs> and my partner is Jonathan Gresham. It's the most <laughs> absurd thing ever. Uh-huh. And Gresham is on the side laughing. You uh-huh. know, like his. Uh, like, his arms are crossed, and it was a spectacle. Yeah. So, so in a sense, it worked, but he was more so worried about me being hurt. And right. So, it was strange. I couldn't argue. I mean, who's going to argue with Timothy Thatcher? Mm-hmm. So, the plan was to stop anyway after that. And I sent my highlight reel, and it went to Triple H in January. So, I am actually texting with, you know, the the liaison mm-hmm. between me and Triple H and everyone else. And I'm at work, I'm at my real job. Mm-hmm. So the first text I did is, oh, they love it. And I'm like, okay, cool, turn the phone over. <laughs> the second text is, uh, hey, would you consider moving to Orlando? And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then the third text is, oh, what's your email address? They're gonna make you an offer.
0: <laughs> and, so, and that's all one after the other yeah, after the other in yeah, one just, day, just, you're just, sitting at work. Yeah, yeah this went wow. from noon
1: to like five o'clock. Wow. And so, again, I don't believe it. have a conversation with um, talent relations. I get that initial phone call. And then the part that really worried me uh, was just the fact that there was a background check and there's a medical. And, you know, you have to be in, in great health to work for WWE, and rightfully so. Of course. So it's... Everything is running through my mind. You know, I'm like, oh, did I not get this vaccine, you know, when I was five years old? Right. Am I going to give everybody locker room polio? Like, what's going to happen here? Just just all these dumb thoughts are just going through my head. And so I think I got the initial um, full offer. I think it was the end of February. Now, I hadn't quit my real job yet because I thought this was all going to fall through. Right. So I gave them two weeks notice. Uh The first week was me, me actually there, and the second week was me working remotely because I had to move to I'm
0: Orlando. going to Orlando. This is actually yeah. happening.
1: Yeah, and even then, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And then I think it was the morning of. I get a no. It was the Friday before. I get an email telling me that oh they forgot to run uh, a blood test, so I had to do that the morning of.
0: And you're going like this is gonna be the test. Yeah.
1: This yeah, is I'm gonna like, this is be it? the test that goes yeah. like no we can't. Yeah. This is it. This yeah. Is it. So I did the test. Of course, clearly everything was fine, and then I report, and that was that. It's even to this day when I walk into the PC, I'm like, you know, is this, is
0: this for a real? real? Thing? Yeah. yeah. yeah and real you thing. and you kind of have that feeling of like, okay, at some point they're going to figure out I shouldn't be here, and they're just going to throw me out the door. Like <laughs> it's just
1: it's weird to walk into the locker room and Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and Matt Riddle. Yeah, like, those, like talented people. Yeah, are sitting. But it's, me, I mean, and I'm it, just this horrible.
0: <laughs> who talks for a living? And I, I did like the. Uh, you know what? Room. You know what surprised me though—that you uh, you participated in the combine. I was <laughs> watching you on that rowing machine. Like, I was never, like again. never again. <laughs> you never. just wanted to prove that you're like, hey man, I'm athletic too. I'm. Uh, no, like I knew that I couldn't prove that I was athletic. <laughs> right. But, but I think I had
1: to. I think when I first signed, I think there was a misconception that I was just hanging out at the PC. Right. The harsh okay. reality is that I'm doing everything everyone else is doing. Right. And I thought that was an opportunity for me to show that I'm that I'm I'm committed to doing this. And you're there to work. What is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And honestly I've I've gotten in, in great shape. Uh, doing the combine and doing strength and conditioning and everything else has actually helped me bond with other people in the locker room. Yeah. Because it's it's that mutual respect. Yeah. I think if I sat on the sidelines and said, hey, because Combine was optional. But it was, it was one, a test for me. And two, is it was to show everyone that I am here to do the work.
0: Was there something comforting in knowing that, like, because I'd imagine you get the offer and you're going to go down there in the locker room and everything and you go, oh, my God, I've been in wrestling for so long. But I'm going to this place where I don't know anybody. And then you realize that as you're looking around, it's like, I kind of... Yeah,
1: I know everyone.
0: I've known... Yeah, yeah, these are all the people that I've been working with the last, you know, four or five years or so in different incarnations or whatever. And and the kind of cream of the crop has all arrived right here. Mm -hmm. It was wild.
1: And the locker room was just so welcoming. Just the people that you will never expect, I guess. Like, the Forgotten Sons. Like, they're... Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't say this, but they're like the nicest dudes <laughs> to, <me. laughs> to you. Yeah. Maybe they're looking for a manager yeah. though. Yeah, it's possible. That's it's possible. possible. I mean, I can't, I can't speak to everyone else, but, but they've been extremely nice to me and welcoming, and to me that, that means a lot because I was just a new face. I was just a dude walking in.
0: Right, right. But I think that you know, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there is a, a goodwill toward you in the sense that, people are aware that you've been in wrestling for as long as you have been, and regardless of if you're in the ring or managing, like I think everybody's kind of acknowledged that you're a really good performer.
1: True, but I think regardless of where you go, when it's a new place, you have to prove yourself all over again. Yeah, okay, yeah. And that was my mentality, that I know nothing, I know a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it's my job to learn the WWE system and how they want me to do it. And that was challenging. I mean, that was my first two months there is to take the independent version of me and make it the WWE version. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and I had to look at it as um, not, not, not from a selfish uh, standpoint. Just what I wanted to do and what I thought was funny or or witty, whatever. It's what can make the most money for a WWE. And what, yeah. What, what do you have to? My
0: career. What do you have to offer? this bigger product like how do not like how do I go out there and make myself the biggest thing it's how does how does how does what I do fill a puzzle piece in this bigger picture of everybody making the WWE into a bigger thing and I mean that's no different from working at any other company wrestling or otherwise like when you work for a company the reason the company is paying you is because you can add value to the company like it's it's a relationship that really works well for everybody yeah
1: and to make money but it's 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 funny. A lot of people don't... They don't look at it like that. And mm-hmm. I think the one thing that really helped was the CD player bit. I thought <laughs> I thought I was playing with fire and then all of a sudden Triple H mentioned it on a conference call uh, and it was how he liked different people making their own content. And honestly, it, it, in a strange way, it helped make everything bigger. I know some people on the main roster saw it. I know some of, of the writers saw it. I know a lot of the pc talent saw it you know it showed that i can take something so dumb and small that i created and i made something just go for
0: weeks yeah yeah i mean it's still going kind of yeah Yeah. i mean months at this point i think it started in april or something like that true (laughs) and it's just this long thread yeah i mean i don't think i picked up on the cd player bit until way later yeah and like i saw the but i saw the first tweet because it popped up in my timeline, and I had missed it the first time or whatever. Mm. But the reason it popped up in my timeline is because everything's a thread. Yeah. So it was one of those things, like, you find a show on Netflix, and you go, oh, my gosh, I can binge watch yeah, all the episodes like the Wire, right now. Like, oh yeah, God, yeah. It's Twitter's version of The Wire. Exactly. I just watch every single one. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it's a bummer that the show's off, but I just found this thing. I can watch all six seasons right now. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I wonder about the content that you do, because, like, I mean... Even for me, part of, uh, probably the most, for me anyway, awkward or uncomfortable or probably the least pleasant part of doing this podcast is reaching out to people and saying, hey, will you do my show? Hey, you want to do my podcast? Hey, you want to come to my studio? Yeah. Hey, you want to? And I always think about you and the fact that you have to go up to people. Like, even something as silly, which I thought was hilarious, as the uh, uh, Coming to America bit, it's this 30 second video, Yes. Yes. but like I'm thinking about it, and I guess I start thinking about it from a producer standpoint for whatever, and I'm like, there's like eight people in this video, yeah, and they're all playing specific roles, and each one of Mm -hmm. them matter, and I'm going like, all, everybody in this video had to not only agree to do the video, but you had to sit down and explain the vision to them, you know what I mean, you couldn't just be like, oh, we're going to do this thing, and you do whatever you want to do, it's like no, the, the comedy will work if you do this, and you do that, and you do this. And you not only have to have the confidence to ask them to do it and to explain the bit idea and everything, but that it's actually going to work. Because if it's lame, it's, that's on you. Yes, yeah. it's on me. I mean, that that's always been the
1: big hurdle. So the first few times I asked people, I think the funniest one was uh, Shana. Shana mm-hmm. And I asked her, and she didn't get it at all. Because that's the other thing. People have to
0: protect what they're yes. portraying on television. Yes. Like yes. Shayna Baser can't be goofing around about a CD player. Of She's course. the most dominant women's champion of all time. Of course. right. But I keep that in mind. Everyone is in character, even myself.
1: Yeah. And if I have to make myself the butt of the joke or the video, that's cool too. But I told Shayna, trust me, it's going to work. So we filmed it. She thought it was kind of funny when we filmed it. And then once I put it together, because I did it, Right when the show was going on, mm-hmm. she, died. she died. And then for two days straight, she was like, when are you going to post it? When are you going to post it? When are you going to post it? To where I was intimidated. I'm like, listen, I'm going to post it Yeah. In yeah. a couple of days. Timing matters too. I'm yeah, post. yeah. And so now I think I earned the goodwill of anyone in the locker room because they know that it's going to be funny. Right. So even with the coming to America video, I pulled everyone aside and I said, hey, I have this idea. <laughs> and even Deanna and Chelsea and Karen, they were like, "Uh, Okay. And so it just, it blew up. Of course. Guys. <laughs> but I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I'll just wake up and I'll have this video or this concept in my head and then I'll try to Match flesh it out. It out. And yeah. yeah. But for the most part, it's, it's I would say, 80% improv.
0: Wow. With everybody involved. Every video. So you're, yeah, I mean, that means you're bringing out, like, probably talent that people didn't even necessarily know that they had, like comedic improv I don't know if I can take credit for that. But. Well, maybe I'm giving you too much credit. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but, so, when did you find out that it was, like, that that stuff was being well-received, not just by fans, but by the office, by the locker room, like, that, that okay, this is actually mm-hmm. something, because I, I would think that that's something you're a little bit concerned about, that you know the fans are going to mm-hmm. dig this, mm-hmm. but, like, if everybody around you thinks that you're a douchebag, it's like, I don't, yeah. that, that wasn't yeah. the intention.
1: I think, I think it was just in passing, just... People saying, oh, hey, that was funny, mm-hmm. or it it being shared in, like, group chats, or I, I think once I noticed that people on the main roster started to pay attention, I think the most eye-opening thing was Big E tweeted about it, mm-hmm. and he tweeted, I hope. Stokely
0: Hathaway gets a CD player back. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: like, oh, it really has spread.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Especially because Big E has yeah. become the king of Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. I got the cosign from Big E. Yeah. We're good to go.
1: And to me, that's, that's when the
0: ball really, really started to get rolling. Yeah. So when, you, so when you started, when you start in wrestling, the first kind of big thing you did was Ring of Honor, right? Mm-hmm. And you did two years with them. Mm-hmm. When you leave Ring of Honor and you just kind of venture off into the independents... That's got to be a pretty scary thing as a manager because it's one thing for a company like Ring of Honor. The thing about being a manager is, I mean, every indie company has, like, quote-unquote managers, but there could just be some yeah. random guy that are doing Bobby Heenan's bits or whatever. Of course. But, like, to be an effective manager, you have to have storylines built in and you have to have people that you manage every single show sure. and there has to be this sort sure. of, you know, regularity to it, right? And so with Ring of Honor that would that's something you could do because there's shows every month or every three weeks or however often they were running and it's like there is this yeah. storyline going. When you go off into the independence and you go, Well I'm gonna be a manager, I would imagine that's gotta be pretty scary because you don't have a home base anymore. It wasn't. It was not scary.
1: It wasn't. So maybe it's like a sick intuition that I have always had, but when I was in Ring of Honor I didn't really do much. Right. And that's not a slight on them, it's just, I think one, I wasn't fully prepared for the role that I was put in, and two, there was no real opportunity to to grow as a performer. Right, so. And they're so
0: wrestling heavy anyway, it's like, course. you know.
1: And at that time, there was like six or seven different managers, mm-hmm. and it was just a lot. Mm-hmm. And everyone was trying to vie for for that spot, and I had the chance to work for Evolve, and I was pretty much given an ultimatum, Ring of Honor or evolve and so i chose evolve mm. and i knew that if i would have stayed in ring of honor i i just would have been there there would have been no opportunity to become stokely hathaway or to or to even be sitting here you know it just it was one of those things to where i felt like i like i needed to to do it was the same thing with leaving evolve mm-hmm. everyone thought i was crazy but i i knew that if i would have stayed in evolve and this isn't a slight on gabe or or anyone there i i wouldn't be Sign right now. Eventually, you have to just, and I, I hate this phrase, it's so cliche, but you have to bet on yourself and say, hey, you know what?
0: These are all my chips. I'm just going to throw them in a the basket and see what works. I see. Because what does it become a thing where, like, okay, I've been in a certain place for so long that, like, okay, what I do is now, I don't want to say taken for granted, but it's like it's defined. I'll say yes. that. Like, what you do is defined. So if you want to keep doing the exact same thing, over and over again, it will keep you forever. You keep, keep yeah. doing that. Yeah. But there was there's no growth. Of
1: course. Right. And, but with
0: Evolve, there was, there was
1: nothing else for me really to do. Yeah. I think it was I managed TJP. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of me being in Evolve was to help him look like a star for the Cruiserweight Classic. So I did that, which Gabe loved. Mm-hmm. And then it was a transition period because TJP left. And I remember Gabe asked me, "Hey, like, what what do you want to do next?" And I pitched this, and I thought that he would say no. And it was to manage Thatcher. Mm-hmm. So I wrote up this whole thing, and it was about it's it's the odd couple. Right. He was this depressed champion who wouldn't even carry the belt because Catchpoint had it, mm-hmm. and they were bullying him. So me, being the piece of garbage that I am, <laughs> I would manage him, and I would carry the belt. If right. I'm so narcissistic, I would love to be the world champion. Right. And it just worked. And that lasted, I think, maybe a year and a half. Uh And so I managed the Evolve Champion within like seven, eight months. Right. Being there. Right. And then it was the Tag Team Championships. And then I think Catchpoint had two or three reigns with that. So I had done almost everything there was to do in Evolve. Mm -hmm. And I think... Gabe says it all the time, you know, sometimes it's time for you to leave the territory and try something
0: different. Is there more of a worry when you leave Evolve because you know that there is, I mean, you end up at Access to do that show. There's a cooperation. You know, you know, Triple H, William Regal, you know, these eyes are on Evolve. If there, of course, WWE is aware of everything going on to some degree or another, Mm. some less, some more. Yeah. But we know, I mean, you know, Evolve is going to be on the WWE network. We know that the stuff that happens in Evolve, there is a direct path to Theoretically to WWE, mm-hmm. so to leave is almost like okay. I, this I'm leaving that. I don't want to say easy path, but that kind of path that's already been walked as well. Sure.
1: Well, at that time, this was last year. Yeah. One thing that I didn't want was to be stuck, and I didn't. It was. It, it wasn't really clear what the relationship between Evolve and WWE was. I see. And I wanted to be signed. I didn't want to I see. I didn't want to just work for Evolve, which That makes sense. I had done that already. Right. You know, I was ready for, for the next chapter. So once I left, that's when I said, All right, I really have to move forward and do all of this stuff and then make myself a star. And that's why I
0: started doing the stand up. That's right, why right. I started right.
1: Wrestling. And it just all just kind of just just took off.
0: Yeah. From there. And and, and yeah, and I mean I, you can't really say enough about timing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, you can't really put your finger on when's the right time to mm-hmm. do what, but but things tend to happen. Yeah, I mean,
1: the timing worked out perfectly. My last match and beyond, which mm-hmm. was the main company that I was working for as a manager and a wrestler, it was against Eddie Kingston. So the storyline, which we didn't really get to finish, was the fact that I left Evolve and I was going crazy. That's why I was, I was wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I was losing my mind. Right. So when Kingston beat me, that was... That was it. That was my last match and beyond. Right. And he just powerbombed me on a bunch of chairs. And Tim yelled at me afterwards. And, that was it. <laughs> and did, I just went away.
0: Yeah. Did you get? How did you? Did you garner a new appreciation for hardcore wrestling when you started doing more and more of that stuff? Did you enjoy it? On any level, did you say to yourself, like, oh, this is why I should have been yeah, a manager? Yeah. I mean.
1: No, I, I had a lot of fun. The only time when I was like, oh, like, this really sucks was that match against Ricky Shane Page. And this was maybe the first three minutes. Yeah. I was up top ready to hit the the Canadian on him. Mm-hmm. And he went to slap me. But I turned my head. It was like a split second. And he caught me in the ear. And then it was just silence. Oof. We couldn't hear a thing. So the eardrum just completely ruptured. Uh-huh and that's right at the beginning of the match Uh I remember I did a dive and then I went back to do a second dive and there was a huge miscommunication for the second dive I thought that he was just going to hold the chair up and drop it and catch me he thought I wasn't going to, to dive all the way so he swings it like a baseball bat yeah and I have the clip on my phone that I can show you. It just waffles me, and it hits me so hard. I flip midair and land on the actual chair back first. So it must look spectacular. Yes, Yeah. Yes. But that was a moment to where I just, I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, right. Like, like how did I get here? Well, and then the crowd erupted, and I was fine. I was like, oh, this is great. Like, oh, I
0: should be doing this. <laughs> like, yeah, they like yeah. this. So let's say you don't get you know, the call when you get the call. Let's say you don't have that conversation with Thatcher. Do you feel like it would have just kept going? Do you feel like uh, there is the possibility that that you start dipping into deathmatch wrestling and things like that? Like How far do you think you would have taken that thing?
1: Well, the plan was, and maybe a handful of people know this, I actually was going to WXW in February, Mm -hmm. and I was going to train for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be kind of the last... Uh, Hurah'd mm-hmm. Me wrestling because I'd be learning from Walter and Thatcher, and then the whole wrestling storyline would have ended in March, and I had arranged to where I would have transitioned back to
0: becoming a full time manager. I got you, okay. But so there was there was an exit strategy. Yes, yes, But at the
1: same time, I had another offer on the table, so it was it was a really w- weird time from December to I would say February. It was yeah, like a lot going on.
0: So. Yeah, that's so in interesting. Way. It's only three months. Yeah. But it's like, oh, like, like, that must feel in your head like it's such a long time because so much stuff was in the air and so many decisions are getting made and oh, yeah, so much was, is happening.
1: Yeah, I was stressed. And
0: my in my apartment
1: here, the lease ended the end of February. <laughs> so, so that's like real life telling yes, you, yes. you. So know. she wouldn't let me stay, uh-huh. my landlord, unless I paid, I think it was two months rent. Mm-hmm. To stay for another month because I didn't know if I could pull off moving in time and I'm like yeah. that's insane I'm not going to just pay you <laughs> two months rent for staying a month like that's insane but yeah. she wanted you to give you one month rent yeah, yeah, for staying a yeah, month yeah. and it was just insane and then no, no I know what it was she would have kept the security de- uh, security deposit if I would have stayed it yeah. <laughs> a month and charged me for for that month's rent and I. So that was a sign from God, just to yeah make a decision right away and just to leave, and it all it all worked out.
0: Have you, and I'm not going to ask you to mention any names, so you can feel free to be honest uh, if it's not the most positive thing in the world, but have you had instances where, you know, as a manager, your job is is to get other people over, but a lot of the fun stuff is yours, you know what I mean? A lot of the stuff that's interacting with the audience, yeah. a lot of the mic stuff, like that's yeah. yours. Have you had interactions with people who you were assigned to that didn't think they needed a manager or of didn't course. want, yeah. yeah of course, and how do you yeah. handle that like how do you because you can't sit Can there person the show yeah Go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's my response right it's,
1: it's okay if you don't like it happened and evolve, mm-hmm. it happened, I would say maybe my first year I was doing all these different it was a storyline of me trying to figure out who to get again because thatcher went with with walter Mm -hmm. it was like this really weird story to where walter took my client and i was extremely hurt by it Mm -hmm. and there were people who i don't know if you remember the 30 for 30 that i did yeah a lot of people didn't want to be a part of it that that was actually the first video giant video that i wanted to make and people just did not understand and so i promised Gabe and sal i said listen just trust me to to do this Mm -hmm. it's going to work and so i paid for that out of pocket (sighs) and so there were other people in it and they just said no we think it's stupid or they had other weird demands and how they wanted to change it and i just said okay and i just did it myself and it turned out better that way and then of course a few months later it was oh man like i wish i would have you know like maybe next time it's like no
0: i don't think I'm so good. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's weird if you i may have deleted a lot of those tweets but if you go back and look at that time period if there are tweets still up that's when i started changing a lot of the graphics and promotions to to me
2: mm-hmm.
1: being the focus and as not opposed to
0: pushing clients. whoever you are yeah
1: yeah, but yeah. it worked. I thought there would be a lot of pushback, but it worked. But I think there is a balance. Same yeah. thing with NXT when I was with Bronson Reed. Mm-hmm. It was a thing to where it was the both of us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just Stokely Hathaway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just you know what other name I was using at the time. It's it was me and Bronson Reed. Like we're a a duo. Like we're a squad. And you know if if there is someone who says I don't need a manager, it's okay. This is my job. I still have to
0: collect the paycheck. Yeah, that's not on me. Either. You of don't course. have to tell me that you don't need of a manager, course. tell the people who are asking
1: yes. me to be your manager. Yes, yes. and yeah. that's the promoter. But for the most part, even before I left, for anyone that I was paired with, they enjoyed it because as strange as it sounds, um, a lot of times I had a bigger following than whoever I was managing. So it actually helped them a lot. Mm-hmm. Like Christian Casanova, mm-hmm. when I was in Limitless, that was someone that I said, okay, sure, they, they wanted me to manage him, and I said, okay, it's my job to help get him over, not just at Limitless, but just overall on the internet
0: and, and in wrestling in general. So when you get signed, and you go to Orlando, and you're in NXT, and you realize, like, okay, it ta- how long does it take before you start to settle in and go, okay, this is, I'm here,
1: I think maybe it just settled in a few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because every day is different. Yeah, of course. Every day is different and for me I think if I get too settled, I don't I don't ever want to get comfortable. Of course. I know for some people that's that's like a good thing for them, but yeah. for me no. You like so to every, stay on your toes. Yeah, 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 so every day I walk in it's just I, I don't know what I'm walking into. Right. In a good way. I think we had a this was the most surreal moment we had a a show. For the PC. Sometimes we do these mm-hmm. internal shows. And Triple H was there. Undertaker. Batista. And you look around and it's like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to forget my promo. It's 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 one of those things where you, you really have to be on your A-game 24-7.
0: How much time did you spend figuring out the difference between talking like you and talking like a wrestling manager does? Because I still, to this day, watch people do promos and it's like, you know, people who ask for like, they they think that they need like these long promos Mm -hmm. and then they start with like, well, let me tell you something. Well, the thing about it. And I'm like, I've seen this. Like before we Mm -hmm. even know what this thing is about, Mm -hmm. I've seen it Mm -hmm. already. I know the cadence. Yes, I know exactly the rhythm in which you're speaking. Like I've seen this thing before. How long did it take you to not go, okay. I grew up watching wrestling managers. I'm gonna do a wrestling manager thing and just go, this is what I do. I'll be honest, the main
1: the main influences were probably black comedians. It wasn't, now granted, I watched Freddie Blassie, I watched Bobby DeBrain, Heenan, and mm-hmm. Paul Heyman, and everyone else, Gary Hart, but it was Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. It was Robin Harris, it was Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I studied the way they talked, and that was a, oh, okay. That's how people relate. They want right. someone that's
0: that's talking like a real human being. Right. And those are the guys, by the way, that have the ability to stand up there for sixty hours. minutes, exactly. ninety minutes. Exactly. Plus, exactly. and get you for the entire time.
1: Exactly. And they were put in any role. They could do TV, mm-hmm. they could do film. And, and they'd be they put in some stand-up. of
0: the most hostile stand-up crowds of course in Def the comedy world.
1: Jam. Yeah. Like that if you did Deaf Comedy Jam back right. in the day, you were solidified as a a comedy great. And Robin Harris is one of my favorite comedians. Mm-hmm. Baby Kids is probably like my favorite uh, comedy album. And so it was a lot of that. It was a lot of that humor and and getting that that rhythm of uh, that cadence down. And that's what I try to use in and my then promos. Relating it over to a wrestling audience. Of course. Yeah. And it's it's been working. It's it's kind of strange to say, but I think and I will say, even when I got to NXT, it was still an adjustment, Mm -hmm. because I I still have to um, figure out how to do it for for their crowds.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, crowds that understand. Like, you know, it's interesting. Like, humor and speaking in an entertaining way, like, there are certain cadences where people that are familiar with what you're doing are instantly going to be like, I know what he's doing and that's funny. Like, I like this. And people that are from another world, completely, are going to go, I don't get this. What's happening? Of course. And you have to find that middle ground of going, how do I just make it so that everybody gets it? Mm -hmm. But I think that's why I'm grateful the fact that I, everyone
1: has to do this, but some people start out on on TV right away. Mm -hmm. I started doing the, what they call the coconut loop. Mm -hmm. So, we're somewhere in Florida every single night mm-hmm. and I had a long conversation with William Regal about it mm-hmm. and he said that it was okay to fail. I can I can try something different every single night. It's an issue if I fail and I keep failing over and over and over, but if I'm trying to figure out my rhythm and my groove and and who this new version of of Stokely Hathaway is supposed to be, mm-hmm. then that's okay.
0: That's, right. what, that's what the shows are for right I mean and that does go back to stand up in the sense that it's like a stand up that doesn't bomb is not a stand up yeah. yeah. like you know what I mean it's expected and you get when you get comedians around each other the first thing they start doing is telling stories of colossal bombings Yeah. when they're just going and yeah. you know they've been doing this for 30 years yeah. and, that's and they try something new and they get in front of an audience mm-hmm. and it just is dead in the water and you yeah. go Okay, that yeah, was different yeah, in my head. That, yeah, I thought <laughs> more. Yeah, that's that's a different deal. But you're right. If you're on live television, it's not really an option. Oh, that's it. That's it. And and the good part is,
1: we have writers. Yes. So in a sense, I've been extremely blessed thus far that when I work the coconut shows, I they will give me bullet points, but I'm allowed to write most of what I want to say, and i and I will. Recite it and I will rehearse it it for them and they will give me the okay, you know There's minor tweaks here and there sure but it's like you said earlier. Just I I learned and evolve keep it short hmm I don't need a six-minute promo to introduce myself or anyone that I'm with it's, it's you give me Sometimes I'll try to in my head say a minute And then when you pause for the audience reactions or just little things that happen it may go two minutes and a half But that's the perfect length.
0: Yeah Yeah, I mean, word economy is a is a is a toolbox that a lot of people leave behind, and it's like it's pretty valuable. Yeah, you know, especially when you're dealing with live audiences. There, they're there to see wrestling. At the end of the day, of course, right? I mean, and and if if you're the third promo
1: of the night, Mm -hmm. you're, you're in like a really tough spot because they've heard one version of this, they've heard another version, and then by the time you come out, they go, oh no. Another one, and right. so it's your job to keep them entertained and not make them resent the fact that they're listening to a third promo. So, what wrestling did you grow up watching? I so I started watching at a really weird time, mm-hmm. and I think I've told this this story before, but I didn't. I wasn't a fan of
0: wrestling growing up.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I have a brother. <laughs> it's odd to hear <laughs> yeah. because like like you're such a fish to water with it yeah. that you would think that it's just in your blood. No, yeah, no. I have
1: a brother. We're nine years apart. Uh-huh. He's younger. And he was a big wrestling fan. So I didn't really get into it until this was probably mid-attitude era. Uh-huh. So for me, it was... And also, I was in high school, and I'm trying to figure out what a Rudy Poo candy ass
2: is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, why?
1: Like... What, what are you know, like, doing? Why this? are you pointing yeah, at you? That's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, like, why does this guy have his eyebrow up? in class? Like, none of it made sense to me. This guy's flipping yeah. everybody off? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. It's so disrespectful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it was such a disconnect for me. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Because I was reading Marvel and X-Men and, you know, everything else. And so it wasn't until. So were you a sports guy at all or just you were a comic book? comic book Yeah, Comic it. book comic book and stand-up
0: comedy like, yeah that was your stand-up comedy it. geek yeah, though yeah, okay
1: yeah that was it i mean i remember sneaking in a Dave Attell cd uh-huh. you know because my parents would have been horrified yeah the stuff that i was listening to but uh i started watching it with him and i'm like oh this is great yeah all these guys are are assholes and they're literally doing whatever they wanted to do and it gave me look it gave me like a weird sense of of self-confidence too because i'm like if they can do that Then I can do that. Right. And then I started watching it, and then how I really got into it, this is the real crazy part. I was in grad school (laughs) because I wanted to be an actor. Uh Uh-huh. So everyone had to do, like, a thesis project. And I'm trying to think. The breaking point was someone did. It was, uh, I think, C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. they did one of his plays and it was the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my entire life and that was the option it was either you you directed a play or you were in a play and they chose both and I said I'm not gonna put myself or anyone else through this so I was home and then I think it was it was a Ring of Honor DVD I think it was CM Punk Mm -hmm. It may have been the best of CM Punk. CM Punk versus, I think, Homicide. Mm -hmm. I was just watching it and I'm like, you know what? This is an art form, clearly. But in my mind, like something just clicked. The storytelling
0: starts to click in, the narrative, the whole thing, the structure of what's going on, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I email my professors and I'm like, hey, I have this idea. And they all thought I was
0: out of my mind. I feel like that's how a lot of your ideas start. Yes. Most people around you going, like, <laughs> yes. this is so yeah. stupid. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah.
1: If you want to fluck, uh, <laughs> <let's go ahead. laughs> you've already paid us yeah. thousands of dollars. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, whatever. So I trained to become a wrestler. And that was how I wrote my thesis. And so I, I originally trained, crazy story, with Mike Quackenbush, uh-huh. Cesaro, and Sarah Del Rey. Those but are my original
0: trainers. With the intention to not be a wrestler, but to write a thesis yeah. on the process. Yeah,
1: and I remember I did that for, it was like four months. And I remember saying, I'll be back. And they go, yeah, okay. Because people were just quitting left and right. right. And I'm sure they thought I was the last person. Because
0: clearly, you saw the combine. Right? <laughs> so I'm
1: sure you can imagine what my first four months of wrestling training was <laughs>
0: yeah. like. I mean, it's not like some of us are blessed with yeah. athletics. Some of us are. But yeah. I had to you know, establish from a young age that I, too, could not be... A professional in-ring competitor. Yes. I just didn't I don't have the DNA for it. Yes, you yeah. know I, mean, I get I would,
1: it. I would say, just imagine a turtle with broken legs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's probably the most accurate description. Trying yes. to flip over, <laughs> yes. but you can't even get the momentum of the legs. Yes.
1: And I thought they hated <laughs> me, but uh, I don't think they did because they helped me write the paper. like I interviewed all of them. Mm-hmm. and then I graduated and I came back the next year, and they were shocked to see me. Mm-hmm. And then I kept doing.
2: What did the
0: professor think?
1: They loved it. They did. Yeah, they loved it. They they thought this was the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. So I turned it in. Uh, I remember I sent a copy to Cesaro, and I think the one thing that he said was, he was like, oh, oh, like I thought it'd be longer. <laughs> That's
0: good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I continued training, and then there was an opportunity.
0: So you in, continue in training Lamar. just because now you kind of fall in love with it. Yeah. It like, was, whoops, I thought this was just the, I thought that I was just doing this for a project, and now this is kind of, you know, I just paid all this money to be an actor, yeah. but... Oops, yeah. I just fell in love with wrestling over here. And I couldn't stop. It was, it was probably
1: one of the most difficult things that I've ever done. But for me, it was just like I had to keep going. Because I, I was surprising myself right. when I could do my first Ford roll and not tear my quad. I was like, oh. Right. You know, it's progress
0: and I can actually see. Yeah. And so I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And then once yeah, I got I the I guess was In the acting world... Like, you could be the greatest actor in the world, but so much of it is just like, is this the right project? Does this audition work? Is today your day? Like, there's so little to actually quantify whether you're doing better or worse. Yes. But in wrestling, like, especially because you were non athletic to begin with, like, when you start being able to do athletic things, you're going, I'm getting better at this. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And the crazy thing, too, is like, throughout that whole period, all my actor friends were were broke. They were dead broke. So I was slowly becoming more successful and also making money in wrestling, which for all intents and purposes, like it should not have happened. Right. But all my friends were doing
0: off-Broadway and Broadway. They were broke. Right. I mean, I'm sure if I know actors too, they're probably like going like, Hey, how'd you get all those Twitter followers? Yeah, yeah. Hey, how'd you get all those people on Instagram? Like, you know what I mean? They start realizing there's a little following, even in the very beginning. Like, The following obviously grows tremendously, but when I I would imagine you start to grow this following. Yeah. And people that... I mean, at the end of the day, there's a few people that want to be actors for the craft, but most Mm -hmm. people want to be famous. Yes. And when they see this happening, they're like, oh, what is he doing? Yeah. But that's that's what helped me
1: get into stand-up as well, the fact that I had this following. And Mm -hmm. I remember... I did busted open mm-hmm. and it was to advertise my first comedy show. And it was all of these wrestling fans. I'm like, Oh wow. Like I, I, I think, you know, that, that you may have support or, or like a fan base, but mm-hmm. I think that was the first time that I really saw it. And it actually, um, meant something more because, it was something outside of wrestling, and to have people come to see me do comedy—they just support you. Yeah. Now, granted, it may have been to see me fail, which was, <laughs> was a bigger <laughs> possibility. But you know, they were all there. Joey Janella was there. You uh-huh. know, the fact that you know he came to see me do stand up, and right. he had just—I think—he had broken his leg, so he's on crutches. You know, coming in to
0: see me perform. Yeah, and it was—it was wild. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of nuts when you realize, oh my god, there's people who support me. Yeah, like yeah. Like, I guess I should keep... So, do you have any... Does any part of you, though, like, the deeper you go into wrestling go, you know, my passion was acting. Like, I don't... Or or once you locked into wrestling, is that passion kind of locked in? I mean, I think I'm doing it. I think right. I have the
1: best job ever. I think I'm doing both. I, I view wrestling as a performance. Mm-hmm. At least with, with my part. So, I have to get into character. And so, it's, it's when I walk out there, I am a certain way. And when I leave, I am a certain way. Mm-hmm. And... I'm sure you've noticed like the person that you see in these videos and on and on the shows, it's 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 like a completely different person mm-hmm. in person. Mm-hmm. And I it's it's something that I get into and it's it's an art. It's acting right. for me. You know, uh I'm sure some people may be offended by me saying that, but but that's the way that I can that's the way that I can uh I'm trying to think of the right word. It's the way that I can um make everything successful for me is yeah. to look
0: at it through that that lens right and and also like you know you should be applying... when you get a set of tools mm-hmm. you know that you would get at grad school yeah you should be able to apply those to the things that you're doing if you're yeah. sitting there and you're doing a job you went to grad school right yes. now you paid a lot of money yeah. grad school's not cheap and you're doing a job and you're realizing nothing i did in grad school applies to this whatsoever yeah. you got to be sitting there going like why Why'd I waste all that time and money, right? Yeah, pissed off to the highest level. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's crazy because I think I'm probably one of the
1: few people who actually went to grad school Mm -hmm. and I'm doing what I went to grad school for. Everything that I've learned uh, from vocal techniques to stage combat to production values to just just everything Mm -hmm. has been
0: used in wrestling. Does it bother you when uh, people? in the acting world or in the arts communities don't take wrestling seriously?
1: Not really, because I think it's one of those things where it's 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 hard for different forms of entertainment to appreciate one another. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just whatever, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. No, that doesn't bother me at all. So now that you're signing everything, do you sit there sometimes? And I, maybe you are doing this before. And cry? No. But do, <laughs> do, you, do you watch... Do you watch the main roster shows or even NXT shows and start fantasizing about like, oh, if they paired me up with that person. They paired me up with this person. Like, oh, we could do something there. We could do something here. Like, do those thoughts uh, go through your brain? Not really. I mean, I try to watch Raw and SmackDown, 205
1: Live, NXT, UK. I try to watch everything with the lens of. Everyone that I'm watching, they're on TV, and they're on TV for a reason. So how can I up my game to reach their their level? I see. So that's yeah. that's the first thing that I have in my mind. It's not really like a fantasy booking thing because I don't think that I'm there yet. And even if I saw something great, like I, I couldn't be like, oh, hey, you know what? me me and Brock I think I think that's the movie <laughs> I think that's the yeah, I think yeah, that's sorry the,
0: Paul I think you know <laughs> yeah yeah because the thing with Thatcher worked and that was like yeah, an odd couple yeah, and me and Brock yeah, also yeah. would be odd together so yeah. I, think, yeah, I think I think we should never. <laughs> I think we should do it and, now, and I mean I know Paul now I've heard you're making some decisions yeah. so maybe I take over no. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you
1: would be like, "What happened to uh, that guy?" With, um, uh, no, I don't even remember his um, name uh, anymore. Yeah. Carl Michael,
0: what happened? To him? Like, <laughs> he just disappeared. Like I thought he was signed and everything. Yeah. But you more drawn on on that for inspiration of going like like wow these people are yeah. excelling at what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Kevin Owens has been a huge help since since I mean years ago, but but especially now. Mm-hmm. And I he's one person that I specifically watch. Because he's so good mm-hmm. at what he does, and and for me it's like that's that's the level of, of promo work, or just just even just like his facials to like his body language, like that's that's the level that I need to be at. So when I'm watching these shows, it's really to to say to myself, okay, how can I take something that they're doing mm-hmm. and and try to, not not copy, of course, and not mm-hmm. and not emulate, but but they're doing something. How can I how can i find my my tricks right. or or you know my little um my little
0: quirks that I can show on camera that can make me a wwe superstar so when we were talking about managers and stuff you brought up not just kind of the 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 80s classics the bobby heenan's and jimmy hart's but you were mentioning gary hart you were mentioning mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people there when you started to really dive into wrestling cuz it was later for you did you just go back and start consuming everything?
1: Yeah. Yeah had to. Yeah. Because one, one big thing that I try not to do is I will watch it, but I can't watch a lot of it at at one time because mm-hmm. I think we all have the habit to kind of like copy or to or to pick sure. up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like even even with Paul Heyman I will watch him, but I won't watch a lot of Paul Heyman at one time because I don't want to cut a promo. and start saying my name is blah blah. Right. These are my clients Cause it'd because it'd be so easy because he sounds so of good. Course, it's of a, course. Yeah. Of course. And that's his thing. Yeah. That's his thing. And you know, unless I was paying tribute to him, but I think it'd be highly disrespectful to to do something like that. right. So for me, it was you know, in, unless I was specifically assigned, like I worked for um, one company at this point, and I was and I was I think the second gary hart like that's kind of what they wanted me to be so so of course i'm gonna try to pick up little things because i was specifically told this what they wanted me to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: but for the most part it's you know i i went back and i and i saw okay like this is this is what a manager is supposed to be yes so you know let me let me try to figure out my own way about
0: um about doing it what do you think about sweet and sour larry sweeney He's one of the best. Yeah, I mean that's when because I was thinking about you today, and I was like, who does if like there was any comparison to draw from, and I I mean I always think you I know, don't know that's high praise. I know I know I've it's probably uncomfortable like for before. you, but that's that's yeah, where I I start because I I often think like how far could Larry Sweeney have gone? And I mean I think he would have been signed a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think he might yeah. have brought back managers. You Years know, ago. yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. But
1: also. It's funny that you said that. It's. I think you have to give credit to Zelina Vega and also a hundred percent to Drake Maverick. Yes. Because, yes. And also Leo Rush because yeah, they, absolutely, they ushered in this this new era of of
0: managers in WWE, and, and all three of them are so. I mean, they just became so undeniable. Yes. That you you're just immediately. I mean, Zelina Vega from Jump Street. Was like, whoa! This is this is like a whole nother. It felt like anything that got thrown at her, she was gonna make better. Like I think she's incredible. Watching Drake, you know, kind of come on to WWE, and you'd go like, I didn't, I did not see that signing happening, and then you're going like, oh okay, for two o five live, I get it. And you watch him become like a highlight of Raw. He's killing it. It's amazing. It's amazing what what all of those performers are doing.
1: And so they ushered in. Yeah this this opportunity
0: for me to just get signed. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And it's nice, too, that that I feel like as a WWE, and it's got to be nice for a person who's in the position that you're in, I, I do feel like that as WWE is kind of slowly bringing back the role of manager. Because mm-hmm. they're not managers. You know, everybody's got different yes. titles. and mm-hmm. But I actually like that everybody has different titles because I feel like there was a time when it would just be, okay, we have a bad guy, let's put him with some manager and, yeah. and we'll just do it. Like, that's yeah. just, it's a formula. And now, it makes sense. Like, there's a reason. It's not like Zelina Vega is just this evil woman with this staple mm-hmm. of bad mm-hmm. guys. She's it's a like, business manager. Yes. She, this is my client. Mm-hmm. I am a business manager of this person. Paul Heyman is not like, here's the Heyman guy. It's like Yeah. I'm here to advocate for Brock Lesnar. He hired mm-hmm. me to advocate for him. Yeah. And I feel like the same way, you know you're you're in a position where you know that w- once once you you find exactly what your niche is going to be I think it'll it, it's going to make sense like we can have faith mm-hmm. that it's going to make sense it's not just going to yeah. be a manager for the sake of being a yeah, manager
1: that I'm just a guy right yeah right and that's and that's something that that we've been working on our, well, and when I say we, I mean me and everyone on, on the creative team is how to figure out how to name me. And, you know, I came up with, with something. And, and I think it was, I had to, it was one of those things where, and I appreciated this, they didn't get it at first. So I had to try it on different live events and they got it. Mm-hmm. And I I would make videos and send it, you know, send it to them. And then they they kind of got it. And then slowly but surely, they're like, oh, I know exactly what this is. So hopefully it will make it to NXT, but it was one of those things. It was, you know, let's let's try to figure out something different to where I'm not
0: just a, a manager. But I mean, even then, you probably go back into grad school, because what actor doesn't put themselves on tape to audition?
1: Yeah. Like, it's the same. <laughs> it's literally to. the same thing. And you have to. And, and the one thing, it's crazy. The one thing I was told is when you get to WWE, like, you don't have to worry as much. Like, you know you know, get rid of the indie hustling mentality, but I think it's the complete opposite. Yeah. It's the complete opposite. I will film stuff all the time. I will film videos. I will film promos. I will come up with ideas and not in a in a pestering thing, but it's me going, This is what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. I can be funny, I can be serious, I can be aloof, you know, all these different things because that helps make their job easier.
0: Yeah. And it also Lets them. there's no reason to take for granted that they know everything that you're capable yeah. of. Like that would be pretty egotistical on your yeah. part to just be like, well, I'm here. Yeah. Can't you guys just look at me and yeah. tell that yeah. I'm great at everything? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. you no, should. No,
1: it's like, no, it's like, I can do all of these things.
0: Yeah. Like, what do you think, please? And if and if they
1: don't like something, it's like, okay, cool. Let me no go back problem. to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. And And I think that's what the PC has to offer. It's like you're back in school. Like right. it's your job to train and learn and come up with ideas. It's not, you just show up. It's like, I'm here. Right, I got my
0: contract. Put me in my spot. Yeah, it's right? like, no, yeah, no. yeah. No, you have to work for your spot. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Do you practice facial expressions in the mirror? I used to, not mm-hmm. as much anymore. Because you like got I your, got, yeah, you got them locked, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, got them down. Yeah. And do you have a, so do you have? How did? How does? how do you work with memes? Do you have a folder on your phone full of memes? Do you have all your references that are just in your head? That's in my head. So you yeah, go, that there's yeah. a scene in a movie yes, yes. and this would be a great spot for this scene for yeah. this person going, hmm. Yeah. Do you know how many
1: times this is before I got signed, of course, I would just Google Pookie from like New Jack City and I would just lose the photo. <laughs> I can't do it anymore now. But no, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, But like that was my go-to. I'm like, oh, this is a really dumb tweet. Let me screenshot. Right. It. <laughs> and put Pookie beside it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so because yeah, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll go like, I wonder if he has like a a special folder for just replies. Do you have a facial expressions folder? No, you don't. No. Yeah, it's just it's
1: it's. I would say maybe. I'm trying to think. The last time I looked, I think it was like five thousand images, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just at my Twitter folder. And I'll just go and just scroll. <laughs> what's appropriate yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but I have my favorites. I have like uh-huh. you know some photos, favorite it, and I'll just go back and just so just
0: like, like where them. some people like on my phone. If you go through my favorites, you'll see like a whole bunch of pictures of my kids. Yeah, nah. you see one of my dogs. <laughs> just memes, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. memes for yeah. you. Yeah. But you're crushing it in the meme game. Thank so you. it's like Thank you I know, obviously yeah. you're doing something right. I hope so, you know, (laughs) no one has told me to stop yet, yeah, yeah, I also, I mean, you, you're, you're, do you feel a responsibility to keep that sort of, uh, pop culture education up to date, I mean, I, I feel like you have to, although, you've done a very smart thing by leaning into, like, 90s, yes, yeah, 90s culture, because it's like, that's, again, it's just like the facial expressions, yeah, that's locked in, yes, like, you're good on that, yeah. But I still feel like you do bear a certain responsibility to have an awareness that other people don't need to have.
1: Uh sometimes. I mean, I do think it is my job to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that I've kind of struggled with. It's it's and I'll be honest, it has been am I too entertaining? Like will this take away from whoever I will
0: become on NXT television? because oh, they won't take you seriously because they're waiting for like a yeah. Bone Thugs and Harmony reference yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: but I think I I think it's all about finding that perfect balance. And yeah. That's why that's why um, I've changed some of the stuff that I've put out
2: there mm-hmm.
1: um, in hopes of, of of leading to that to that direction. But as far as, like, educating people, yeah, kind of. Like, today was the anniversary of, of Paid in Full. Mm-hmm. So I retweeted that because I'm right. sure most people would have no idea. Like, the Coming to America video. Right. It's just that stuff is in my head. And I'm like, well, why not share it with the people who follow me? Because... I'm guessing that they follow me because they have similar interests. Right. So
0: Or at least like you referencing yes, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So did you grow up watching a ton of movies too? I did. I yeah. Mean, it was just pop culture Non-stop. all the time. Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Non-stop. I'm the same way. That's why I just sit there like every yeah. single reference. I'm like, Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> it's fantastic. I think, I think it
1: was Sanjay Dutt, he told me one day, he was like, dude, I just I love your Twitter. He was like, it's just it and he was like, How old are you? <laughs> I he was like, okay, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, about right. Yeah, I think you thought I was 21 or something. I'm right. Like, nah, man. Like, I, yeah, yeah I lived like it, you just lived
0: researched it. back yeah, and yeah. tried to pull out. No, no, you, I could tell because some of them, like, I'm like, this isn't a – a, a, Retro reference. Like, this isn't a reference because this isn't something people talk about anymore. Yeah. Like, this is something you only had in your head (laughs) if you were alive at the time. Yeah. This isn't like, oh, remember, like, nobody says, remember this. Yeah. But it's in your head. Yes. So it'll be there. Yes. All the time. It's just
1: (laughs) all the stuff that that most people would hate is just going around in my brain. (laughs) Well,
0: that's fantastic. I feel like we could do a whole nother show on comedians and movies and whatnot. Yeah. And at some point we will. Um, but I appreciate you making the time, man. Of course. This of course. has been Thank great. Do I get paid now or are you going to? Um, we'll do like probably a, like a cash app. What about cash? Type thing. Because I'm, well, I'm not like super liquid now. Okay. But I have like. A, so how about I take that monitor? That's screwed in. There's no, but I'll do, I have, I have a lot in uh, like Venmo. Do you do Bitcoin? Actually, I do. Then we're good. Okay. We're good. We're good. Saying we're, saying good. We're, good. Yeah. we're good.
2: Yeah, I have a lot in Bitcoin. We're fine. Okay. Awesome. We're good. We'll awesome. be good. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate of it. Of course. Thank you for having me.